This episode of Industry Focus is supported by NetSuite, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform. Download their free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits, today at netsuite.com slash fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Friday, October 11th, and we're checking in on big tech. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I've got Fool.com's Evan New with me on Skype. Evan, what's going on, man? It's very cold. It was the first snow of the season here in Denver yesterday, so it's like 20 degrees, so I have to dress up accordingly. You know, I've actually been watching the forecast for Denver because I'm heading out to our Colorado office next week to meet with some of the folks from our Ascent vertical, the uh, personal finance and credit card vertical that we're standing up. And I was looking at that snow forecast. I was like, it's a little earlier than I thought it might hit. Yeah, it wasn't too much, but temperature is definitely coming down quite a bit. Yeah, it's a sign of where we're heading. I'm going to enjoy fall over here on the East Coast for a little bit longer. Um, Evan, today we are talking about big tech, and we are specifically talking about big tech being in the crosshairs of some regulators and some people that may ultimately be in power come 2020. Right. That's become a pretty popular topic among you know, on the campaign trail as we kind of ramp up for the uh, 2020 presidential elections. Yeah, so we're going to specifically look at some things uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren has brought up related to big tech. Uh, That conversation has gone on for a while in 2019, recently picked up a little bit more enthusiasm. And then we're also going to be talking about some things specific to Apple. But starting with uh, Senator Warren, one of the major campaign pillars for her right now is a vow to break up some of the big tech companies out there. And specifically, we're looking at Amazon, Google, and Facebook here. There are thoughts that maybe Apple is included in that conversation. You go back to a statement on her opinion, and it makes it pretty clear how she feels. As these companies have grown larger and more powerful, they have used their resources and control over the way we use internet to squash small businesses and innovation and substitute their own financial interests for the broader interests of the American people. To restore balance of power in our democracy, to promote competition, and to ensure the next generation of technology innovation is as vibrant as the last, it's time to break up some of our biggest tech companies. Now, Evan, we are not a political show in any way. That is that is not what we are trying to do here. But we are talking about this because it is just another instance of the mounting criticism against some of these companies. And the reality is, if it's a major talking point for one campaign, it's probably going to enter the national conversation in a much more profound way in the coming months and years. Right. And plus, I mean, this whole idea of breaking up these companies has clearly humongous implications for the companies and investors. So I do think it is certainly relevant uh, from an investing standpoint. And on top of that, you know, because it, you know, there is some politics involved in this conversation, of course, but the underlying, underlying that politics is that there's a, a common perception among average people that agree with her that these companies are becoming too powerful. And that also has implications on their business because if you know consumers don't trust these companies, they're less likely to give them business. And you know, it's all sorts of ways that it, it, I think it is still very important for investors to, to really understand what's happening here. So, if you go back to March of 2019, there was a Medium post from Warren's team, and it lays out some of the logic and how a lot of this stuff might happen. And a big part of the argument here is that the government stepping in is exactly what has gotten to gotten all of us to some of the best parts of the internet as we know it. And and part of her philosophy and outlook is that you know so much of uh, what we experience now would not have been made possible had antitrust stuff not come against Microsoft in the 90s. 
Right, which was, a, of course, a, a monumental case, you know, since Microsoft was so powerful at the time because they had essentially a monopoly on, you know, PC operating systems, and they used that power to kind of bundle in their internet browser. Uh, so, yeah, that was a, a, certainly a very, very important time in history in terms of tech. Yeah, and, and the reality is these businesses, Apple, Facebook, a lot of them are trying to do stuff that is fairly similar to what Microsoft was doing back then, right? They have this one great access point for users, and they are slowly building out the ecosystem to encapsulate as much user activity as they can because they have all these different ways to monetize that activity. Right, and you know, I think it is also kind of worth noting that you know part of Elizabeth Warren's argument historically is kind of off base. Uh, so, for example, she she argues that you know the government really coming after Microsoft for antitrust helped Google and Facebook come about, which isn't exactly true because you know Microsoft didn't even get into search until 2009 with Bing. You know, prior to that, their search products used licensed search results from other companies. And this was all well after that antitrust case that she's referring to, and ten years over ten years after Google was founded, which is back in ninety eight. So there is kind of a little bit of a disconnect there. Plus, I don't see how it ties into Facebook because Facebook came a little bit later, and also it's not as if Microsoft was super powerful in social networking or social networking wasn't even really a thing back then. So I think some of it's a little off. But you know, you know that being said, I, I do think she does have some other arguments that are you know kind of valid and worth exploring too. Yeah, I think we can quibble with the letter of some of this stuff, but the essence of it definitely rings true, at least for me. And some of the stuff that she is specifically focusing on here is the way that big tech has used mergers to limit competition and used proprietary marketplaces to limit competition. And so, really, both of these get at the flywheel effect of being a big platform company and then rolling other functionality into that platform in a way that prevents upstarts from also jumping into the space. Right, there's been massive consolidation, uh, particularly in social media as it, as it relates to Facebook, because Facebook has become so powerful in terms of you know in the social networking market, and no one comes even close to them because they either you know destroy any com- you know potential competitor or they buy them. So, and like no one at this point, it's at least in the U.S., no one is even close to their their level of power. Yeah, I think it's worth backtracking and thinking about an alternate universe. I know it exists out there if you're a multiple universe person where Facebook does not buy Instagram for a billion dollars, you know, so many years ago. And the reality that Instagram would be the leading competitor against Facebook now with activity on the rise, usage on the rise, while this older guard internet company was starting to wane, uh, particularly in the United States where the ad market is so important. Right, exactly, and then plus you have like WhatsApp, and you know they they just they have all of the biggest social platforms on the planet, and you know I mean I mean in the case of Instagram, I will give them credit in the sense that Instagram was so tiny when they bought them, and they really built it up to what it is today. So I do think that they deserve a lot of credit for what they built. So it's not like they you know bought them when they're humongous; they they bought them when they're tiny. Uh, but still, yeah, I mean the, the underlying theme here is yeah, I mean they they it's it does kind of undermine competition because if you look at all the most popular apps out there for social networking, Facebook owns and operates like seven of them, seven out of ten of them. <laughs> yeah, per, perhaps the better uh, example of exactly what some of these anti-competitive things look like in practice is you know the huge drop-off in user growth that Snap experienced once Instagram started rolling in Stories functionality, which, of course, was something that Snap developed and kind of brought to the consumer marketplace. Right, exactly. So, uh, the other thing that I want to kind of drill into here, because it's it's a little bit more uh, something that needs to be worked through, is that proprietary marketplaces to limit competition. 
Uh, and the idea here is that you have so many big tech companies that own a platform or own a marketplace where buyers and sellers are coming together, and then they are also a participant in that marketplace. And with that dynamic, there are some anti-competitive uh, and seemingly unfair elements to it. And you know, I mean, you can think about Amazon very specifically here as the example. Right, because you know, and they've got a lot of scrutiny because of the way that they compete with their third-party sellers. I mean, Jeff Bezos recently really tried to tout how much of a presence third-party sellers are overall, but that doesn't that kind of ignores the the actual criticism that's underlying all of this, which is that they do compete very aggressively with these companies that they also enable and facilitate. And there is a pretty obvious conflict of interest because, you know, on one hand you're helping these other companies sell, but on the other hand you're getting in there and competing with them on the platform that you operate. The the two main remedies that Senator Warren is proposing for these issues is pushing legislation that requires very big platforms to be designated as quote unquote platform utilities, which would prevent them from also being a participant on the platform that they are making available. And that helps avoid that seemingly conflict of interest or anti-competitive element to a marketplace. Right. So if you kind of break them up from the platforms, that allows each entity to kind of be more autonomous and independent. So that does kind of reduce the potential for conflicts of interest, I think. And then uh, the second point is appointing regulators committed to reversing illegal and anti-competitive tech mergers. Uh, And this specifically gets at all of these acquisitions that we've seen where you know the app store is dominated by a very small portion of companies and uh, she specifically called out back in March of 2019 Amazon with Whole Foods and Zappos Facebook with WhatsApp WhatsApp and Instagram and Google with Waze Nest and DoubleClick and you know to your point earlier Evan some of these acquisitions are quite old you know the the what the Instagram acquisition was one that was much more speculative when it happened we can look at it now and say you know that was a resounding success and it grew into this monster platform um, it wasn't clear that that was going to happen when Facebook bought it right I mean they they bought like twelve people. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was almost an aqua hire, you know, in, in, in some ways. Um, but the reason that we're talking about this now, some of this is kind of old news, is because um, it kind of recently came back into the news cycle, specifically because there was a Q&A at Facebook uh, that featured Mark Zuckerberg answering some questions from staff. And, uh, you know, it gave a good insight into how Facebook management is looking at the looming threat of uh, either a Warren administration or someone else deciding this company needs to be broken up. Right. So he addressed this with employees. You know, this internal meeting got leaked, and I was actually surprised he wasn't more upset about it. But he, you know, he basically says that you know if a candidate like Elizabeth Warren or many candidates have proposed similar ideas, but if someone like that gets elected president, then you know you're going to have a big legal challenge. On Facebook's hands, and he's pretty confident that they would be able to beat the government uh, in that situation. So, one of the things that we haven't quite gotten to yet, we focused a lot on the anti-competitive and kind of monopolistic elements of this. Some of it also has to do with the way that information is passed along, and you know there is this definite kind of campaign quote of you know these types of platforms are controlling information and. Also, you know, that lends to the possibility of some form of election interference or, you know, them being able to kind of swing an election one way or the other. And Zuckerberg kind of has an interesting take on that, Evan. Right. So he, he's had a couple of 
defenses against this whole idea of breaking them up. I mean, he, he has argued, and he has a good point here, which is that uh, Facebook's size and scale gives it more resources to combat the problems on its platform. And he believes that you know, these companies should be able to fix these problems themselves without the government intervening and getting in here and breaking them up and forcing them to do things that may not be the best way to address these underlying problems. So he made a good point during this uh, this leaked audio thing where you know, the amount of money that Facebook is putting into platform security is greater than all of Twitter's revenue. So you know, Facebook is gigantic and they do have far more resources um, to be able to address these problems. Whereas if you split these companies up, each company, is, you know, while there may be more competition, they, there's not as much financial resources that each company can put into securing their platforms in a way that uh, addresses these criticisms. And I guess the counterpoint to that would be, if that was the case, no individual platform would be so capable of swaying things, which is is hard to say because I, you know I think information is going to move pretty quickly one way or the other, and. I think what kind of makes all of this so hard to kind of take a step back and look at how we generally look at antitrust, you know, the like kind of seminal antitrust case that people tend to look at is Standard Oil, right? And this is a company that's founded in 1870 and then in 1911 the Supreme Court ruled that it was an illegal monopoly. You think about that timeline. Over 4 decades they were able to grow and then operate Think about the lifetime of some of these businesses that we're talking about now. Most of them born either during the internet boom or after the internet boom. They aren't touching 40 years of age, but they move so much faster because they aren't working in physical goods and infrastructure. Right. I mean, tech evolves just so rapidly that um, <clears throat> five years in tech is like decades in any other industry. And you wonder kind of how we got here. Well, if you go back and watch uh, lawmakers interviewing Mark Zuckerberg, you know, for his testimony and some of the questions they were asking, it's clear that policymakers often lag where an industry is going, particularly one that is moving as quickly as tech is. Right, and I think another kind of topic that kind of can relates into this is also kind of accountability. It just comes down to basic accountability at the corporate governance level because these companies don't really have any of that. Uh, most of the companies that we're talking about now, they have these you know voting structures that give the insiders all this power. And if you didn't have that structure to the point where investors had more say in the governance, and they can bring more accountability to keep these companies in better line with like how they operate and make sure that they're not undermining competition. If we're looking at the outlook for these businesses now, Evan, um, you know it's impossible to know what is going to be going on, you know, in the next couple of years. So much of this is so speculative. But I do think, you know, if you're an Amazon, Alphabet, or Facebook shareholder, and I am, you know, you kind of have to be prepared for the fact that one business is going to be a lot tougher for these companies. They're going to continue to face a lot of scrutiny because they have enjoyed a pretty free ride for a really long time. Up until about maybe 2016, they were able to do a lot of things without having to worry too much about regulators hopping in. So that's going to end. And there is the possibility for sure that some of these businesses get broken up. What does that do for the value of those businesses? It totally depends on the complexion of that breakup. Right. I mean, some a lot of the times there's a sum of the parts analysis where sometimes companies can be worth, generally speaking, more as separate entities than as combined as to one. So that's that's an interesting thing to think about is if any of these companies do face something as drastic as getting broken up, what that happens what happens to their value. All right. We are gonna talk about some of the issues plaguing Apple on the back half of the show. But before we do, I wanna thank our sponsor NetSuite. If you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. But the problem growing businesses have that keeps them from knowing their numbers is the hodgepodge of business systems they have. 
They have one system for accounting, another for sales, another for inventory, and so on. It's just a big, inefficient mess, taking up too much time and too many resources. And all that hurts the bottom line. Introducing NetSuite by Oracle, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform, giving you the visibility and control you need to grow. With NetSuite, you can save time, money, and unneeded headaches by managing sales, finance and accounting, orders, and HR instantly, right from your desktop or phone. That's why NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system. And right now, NetSuite is offering you valuable insights with a free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits, at netsuite.com fool. That's netsuite.com fool to download your free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits, netsuite.com fool. All right, Evan, Apple has not been under quite as much fire as some of the other big tech names. That does not mean that they don't have problems of their own. Right. I mean, there's been a lot of scrutiny coming from lawmakers and regulators all around the world around Apple. And speaking of Elizabeth Warren, I mean, she has also included Apple in these calls to be broken up. Um, she recently said, you know, Apple, you've got to break them apart for their app store. It's got to be one way or the other. You can't. You can either run the platform or you can play in the store. You can't have both. Uh, but it, it kind of ties back into what we were talking about before, which is just the whole idea of the part, the the platform and the marketplace. In this case, it's not about Apple's hardware business. It's really just all about the mobile app store because iOS is a very locked down platform. And apps, the App Store is the only way you can get apps on your phone uh, outside of a few kind of you know, niche like circumstances. Yeah, that that is both what makes Apple so great. You know, if you're an investor, and one of the things that makes it so problematic, if you're thinking about it from a regulatory perspective, is we love the control and the ecosystem they have. That's how they've been able to curate this wonderful experience, and you know how they've been able to create some very high margin uh, revenue on the services side. Um, but it's also going to draw some attention as well. So last month, the House Judiciary Committee, uh, as part of a bipartisan investigation into antitrust, sent Apple a letter requesting information on a bunch of topics that are all tie into this uh, antitrust conversation. Um, and, and again, it all really revolves around the App Store and the policies that Apple has in the App Store and how it enforces those policies. So just as a couple examples, you know, Apple doesn't let people change the system level defaults for a bunch of really important functions like you know the web browser, music, maps, email, etc. Uh, some developers can get around this by having their specific apps redirect to specific other apps, but at the at the system level at the default, you can't change it. Uh, and all, all apps have to be go have to go through the App Store, so that means Apple gets to review them. Apple has final say over what gets in and what gets out. And then on top of that, they get fifteen to thirty percent cut on all digital sales and subscriptions. Yeah, we've talked in the past about the quote unquote Apple tax, and you know the the toll basically that they get to collect for making that marketplace available to people. And some big companies, specifically Netflix, have gone out of their way to avoid taking that haircut on everything that they're doing through the App Store. Right, and they were even Apple's actually sued over the summer by a bunch of developers, alleging that it has a monopoly on app distribution in iOS, and basically forces them to pay this tax. And there's no competitive forces because there's no alternative app stores, no alternative way to distribute your your content, other than Apple. And there's no so there's no competition to bring that cut down, which you might see if you had other ways to distribute stuff, which doesn't apply to Apple's Mac platform, because on the Mac, you can download things from pretty much anywhere. There's not this, I mean, they have the App Store on the Mac, but the Mac is not nearly as locked down uh, as iOS. You know, I've also seen some headlines recently about the Apple-Spotify dynamic, and how a lot of regulators are now looking specifically to Spotify to provide some information on anti-competitive practices and how that's impacting music streaming as well. Right, exactly, and you know, 
Spotify's complaint to regulators in Europe, and I think in other markets too, but basically arguing that Apple is anti-competitive because you know if Spotify wants to sell subscriptions through the App Store, it's got to pay this 15 to 30% cut, which undermines Spotify's business, which is already kind of uh, struggling to scale profitably. So they have a lot of valid complaints, and Apple is slowly starting to address them, in part because a lot of other developers are echoing the same arguments that Spotify has been making. Yeah, and this is a legitimate issue if you're an Apple shareholder because we know, you know, the services segment is such a large part of the thesis. Much like Facebook, Apple has their defense for some of these allegations. Right. So Apple's like keeps trying to downplay this and say, oh, there's plenty of competition. There's no big deal. But the issue isn't really exactly whether or not competition exists, but it's always been about how Apple competes. You know, so in addition to like these these um, the app store tax and stuff like that. They have these a bunch of little things that they do that tilt the odds even more in their favor. So, uh, for example, they have a lot of policies in the app store that apply to third-party developers, and Apple strictly enforces these, but they don't kind of apply them to themselves. So, just a couple of small examples: uh, apps are not allowed to use push notifications for marketing and promotional purposes. Apple regularly uses push notifications to promote its services, to promote engagement, and to sell iPhones. They'll sell you a notification, hey, the new iPhone's ready, go buy one. (laughs) Uh, They also don't follow their policies around how billing information is supposed to be presented. Uh, There's a bunch of these little things, but when you add them all together, it just makes things even harder. When Apple already enjoys a bunch of huge advantages because it's their store, they pre-install a bunch of apps on the phone. They, you know, they also have like search algorithms that allegedly favor their own apps, uh, and like when you throw this in there, it just looks really bad for them. When I look at this whole landscape, whether we're talking about Apple or we're talking about some of the companies that Senator Warren is specifically targeting with some of her uh, proposed policies, I think it's much more a matter of when rather than if we start to see a little bit of a pinch for these big tech companies and more pressure to be either breaking things up or adopting policies that are a little bit more competition friendly. Right. And I mean in the case of Apple, the App Store is a pretty big business, but proportionally compared to like the hardware side of it, it's not nearly as as meaningful. So, um, compared to these other companies that we've been talking about like uh, Facebook or Google or Amazon, I think the the implications of a breakup are much more significant for them than Apple. All right, Evan, thanks for hopping on today's show. Maybe I'll get a chance to see you when I'm out in Colorado. Yeah, let me know. Thanks for having me. All right, listeners, that's going to do it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or you want to reach out and say, hey, shoot us an email over at industryfocus at fool.com, or you can tweet us at MFIndustryFocus. If you want more of our stuff, subscribe on iTunes or check out videos from the podcast and tons of bonus video content over on YouTube. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So, don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for all his work behind the glass today. Go Nats. For Evan New, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening and Fool on. Fool on.